I want to play at least another four years. And the reason for that is I want to play another World Cup. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. And hi Soph, lovely to see you again. Hi Ollie, um, it's been a week again, lovely to see you. Um, I hope you had a great week. I did have a great week Soph and I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about today because normally we focus on you as a, a sports person and don't talk about your personal life or you as a person. And I remember you saying in one of the previous episodes how important it is that you see the person behind the professional athlete um, and I'm really happy to talk about that today. Yes, me too. I think uh, you just mentioned it. We often speak about my career and, and my um, my life as a professional footballer um, but for me it's absolutely crucial to be seen as Soph the the person the the sister the daughter the the auntie um, first um, of course football plays a massive role in my life and it's been a priority for you for many many years um, but I'm a person first and foremost I know what your schedule is like but before we talk about your personal life I think it's important to tell uh, the audience what your day-to-day is like when you do play football so can you give us more insight into that yeah of course um I mean it's hard to pick one random day of the week because every day is a bit different but um let's pick I guess a Wednesday um typically we um go to the training ground and have breakfast together around half nine um any medical treatment or assessments you need are before that so it could be an early morning or if you don't need any attention med- medically, um, it's a nice lie-in for a 9.30 breakfast. Um, we always have a team meeting after that um, to discuss the previous session, uh, to discuss a game plan or simply to discuss the session ahead. Um, just so when, once we're on that pitch, we all know what we're about to expect. Um, after that, we've got activation, which is um, a half an hour, I guess, session in the gym where we just get ready for the pitch session. And that's... Um, that's depending on what we're doing on the pitch, whether that's smaller areas, you need your groins more, so you activate them, or larger areas, you need, I guess, your hamstrings more. Uh, we do max sprints, you need your hamstrings, so we'll activate them. Um, after that, it goes out onto the pitch. Um, we have a session, an hour and a half, two hours, depending on the day, depending, I guess, on how well we do, how much coaching we need, how many repetitions we need. Um after that, there's often some a time slot for individual extras if you need some technical extras or want some technical extras. Um, then we go back in and we have gym um, for another 45 minutes. Um, there's there's an option for like I guess a snack, a refueling station um, if you if you feel like it. They encourage it obviously because two back to back sessions you won't get everything out of the gym if you don't refuel um, and. Then it's lunchtime, and after lunch, um, it's time for, I guess, individual analysis or further individual treatment, um, recovery. And then I'm pretty much free to go home. <laughs> so my day usually ends at three, football-wise. Um, and then it's 
whatever I need to do that day. Funny you picked a Wednesday because you could have picked today where you start off with a podcast in early in the morning. But uh, just to go back to your football sessions, do you normally tend to have two sessions a day or is it normally one session on the pitch and one session in the gym or, or what is that structured like? Well, typically, especially in the season, it's one pitch session, one gym session. Um, throughout pre-season, we have started introducing double sessions, but the second session is very, very light, and it's usually a tactical set-piece session. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, we had a double session yesterday, and um, there was no way we would have been able to even move in the second session um, because the first session was, like, actual tough. Um, so the second one is more technical and more and more tactical walkthroughs and set pieces whatnot and how many days do you have off during the week uh currently in pre-season for the first couple of weeks two days in season it'll be one day and the day before the match is that just a recovery day where you go for a like a light session on the pitch and then you go back home or yeah it's probably probably a smart thing to talk through the week so let's say we play on a sunday so we plan everything around the sunday so if you play sunday um the day before sunday is a light session um, the day after Sunday is a recovery session or a session where players that didn't get enough minutes can do an extra session. Um, so Monday is typically a recovery slash top-up session. Tuesday's off. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are leading in to, obviously, the game. Wednesday is um, more change of direction, more smaller areas, more a lot of 1v1s. Um, the day after that is large areas um, where we get a lot of physical output in. <laughs> and... Um, Friday I think it's then yeah I'm losing track of the days here but then Friday is where we ease off a bit um, and then Saturday is a short sharp in and out we call it um, shortest day of the week first hopefully <laughs> and then we're off <laughs> home so we can recover before the game Lovely we had a bit of a talk about your schedule then I think it's just important because the question I was leading to is how much free time do you actually have to be Sophie offside the pitch? Um, typically from around four to evening time, which can do be four to six if I'm absolutely exhausted, <laughs> or it could be uh, longer than that. Um, we have, as I said, one day off. So that's, it sounds annoying, but that's typically when I do all my errands. Um, and then I go back on a Wednesday and I'm like, oh, actually, I actually haven't done anything nice, I guess. But it's just nice to have a day to switch off from football. And, and I guess without like wanting to sound mean, but see different people. We see each other mm. all the time, so it's nice just to get away and, I guess, spend some me time or just see people outside of football that, um, that I don't see at the training ground. But it must be difficult to see other people during the day where you're off because they're normally at work, aren't they? Yeah, typically they are and our schedules always collide, um, but that's usually when it's like an after-work pop-in for a cup of tea or something, um, nothing major. Because, I mean, we're not going to go out for a late meal or something because we're all in the next day. But do you stick around with your friends from football then? Can you call them friends? Um, yes, I'd call them f friends. I've got this thing where I call them football friends. Um, just because that's just a character of football. You have people you spend every single day with for a certain duration because you're playing for the same team. Um, and don't get me wrong, like I get on with everyone. But for me... That's often not, not lifelong friends because you move on, you move clubs and it is very hard to stay in touch and it doesn't happen often. Um, I can say I've got three friends in Germany from my entire spell, from my entire childhood growing up, I guess, that I'm still in touch with on a regular basis. 
and that I would consider lifelong friends. But if you think about how many people I met and how many players I've played with and how many people I've, I've spent a lot of time with, and um, obviously you got to know them as well when we lived together, and we were all very close, but I've literally got three friends that I would consider lifelong friends from Germany. And are they football friends or are they friends you got to know in school? Or? School was a difficult in a sense of making friends. Um, no, that sounds really weird. Um, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> guys, I didn't have friends. <laughs> Hard to believe, but... Um, it was just my schedule was so different. And I was also very, I guess, focused on football in a sense of... Like, I never went on any of the school trips. I never went on... You know, after, like, a, um, a term at school, you went on these, like what were they, excursions or something? Um, I never went on any of them because I didn't want to not play at the weekend. So I s sacrificed all of that. So, yes, I, I've got friends and I and I was really, like, I guess close to people at school, but my schedule was just so different. I, I guess I've always been a little bit of a, a floater in that sense. Like, I get on with everyone, but I know exactly who the people are that I can bring at three o'clock at night. Is there any hobbies you do outside of football? Um, like, you know, there's other people don't know this. I've, I grew up playing the guitar. So that's something I do here when I get back from, from football, just, I guess, to switch off as well. Um, it gives me a little bit of a balance to life. Um, well, it's not about performance anymore. Now it's just me just mucking about, I guess, on the guitar. Um, yeah, I'm sounding a little bit geeky here about my garden. I love to go out, put some tunes on, um, just work in the garden. It's quite nice, actually, my neighbourhood here. Um, like, I'm pals, I'm friends, I'm friendly, I guess, with, with my neighbours. So whenever I'm out and jamming away to music and the other neighbours are out as well, we always have a little chin work, and it's actually lovely. I feel really, I guess, part of the community and, and really at home here, even though my family's not here. Because I always say home is where my people are and my people are you guys. But I do have a sense of home here. Um, where I live with the community, community my neighbours, my friends. Um, we spoke about my spell at Reading where I didn't manage to set up a network outside of football and I have managed that here where I've got friends that have no clue about football or actually don't like football. But I've now come to watch to support myself, I guess, and, and the team, um, which is really nice. Um, so that's, I guess, why I feel so at home here. So we're garden buddies, uh, but I understand why you why you go into the garden and play the guitar just to switch off. But um, to release this outside, you always do a lot of courses as well um, to develop personally and also professionally. Um, what is the course you're doing at the moment? And what is the courses you've done in the past, maybe? Yeah, I guess it, it all stemmed from when I was in Germany and also the yes. I obviously... I went to school and then I went to uni and when I went back to Germany after America, I did my postgrad. Just, I needed something for my brain. So I've don't, I don't have that now. So I'm always seeking for, I guess, something to do outside of football to also give me a further purpose. And currently the course I'm on, um, that is now in like the, the final stages, but it's a course offered by Visa. Um, it's a former professional footballer that has put this, this course in place and um, it's called the second half and it's basically preparing you and exploring you to um, professions post playing career so it's basically focusing on the transition when you're done playing and realizing that you've got so many skills that you've acquired throughout your playing career that are transferable to a career after football um, 
hopefully I won't need that for a couple of years. Um, but it's always good to be prepared. You know how I am. I hate not being prepared. Um, it's when I message you, I was like, Ollie, what are we discussing? You're like, just chill. I'm like, no, no, we need to, we need to know this. <laughs> I'm awful with not being prepared. Um, so yeah, I just like to be prepared just in case. You never know. What is your goal for after football then? Do you have a specific career you want to go into? Uh, do you want to stay in the UK? That is the million dollar question. Um, in terms of where I will be, not a clue. I think when I first moved here, I always thought it was like a a temporary thing um, where I'd moved to England because for me, as I've just said, home is where you guys are. And now after travelling the world, all of you, you've now all gone back to Germany. Um, I, I don't know because I do really feel at home here. The thing is, though, I never know what's going to happen. I potentially couldn't have the option to stay here post this year. So I never know um, in terms of what I'm going to do after football. Also, unsure, and I'm personally not too worried about it. I'm a big person. Um, I'm big on on connections and, and networking. Connections meaning these meaningful connections between people. Um, and I'm also a big believer I never burn bridges. So whenever I've left places, um, it, we've always left on good terms. It doesn't mean we have to always agree but at least it's a respectful, we're going to part ways kind of thing. Um, and it's just that I'm going to, I believe I rely more on these connections than having an actual 100% plan what I'm going to do after football. Um, in terms of duration, I want to play at least another four years. And the reason for that is I want to play another World Cup. We got a little sniff, I guess, at the 2019 World Cup in France. Um how that all ended is probably a topic for another episode. But I want to play another World Cup, and that means another four years. But that also means I need to perform at club. Uh, I need to be happy where I'm at. Um, obviously, I need to still be playing for Scotland. Um, that is all, that's all big questions, but that is my plan. That's a goal you're working towards. How long have you got left on your contract here at Leicester? One year, just this season. And and just didn't um, because you didn't go into this... Uh, in depth, do you want to stay in the football industry after your playing career? Um, potentially. I'm not closing myself off to that in a sense of, I think, yes, I want to stay. stay yes, I think I want to stay in the sports industry. Um, but the longer I'm involved in, I guess, football and the sport, I'm more and more getting intrigued about what goes on behind the scenes to produce the performance on, on the pitch. Because um, what everyone sees is only kind of the tip of the iceberg no one sees what goes on behind the scenes and I'm, I'm not talking about what we're covering here like the unseen bits but it's more about how to create that high performance environment how to create winners um how to how do you create that mentality um i guess we've addressed um previously but i'd also be intrigued to see how that works in different sports um so yes and i kind of know my way through football in a sense of i know the game and i've got a lot of insight and experience uh within football but also be very open to exploring other sports. Don't you think there is so much that can be done in women's football, um, starting at grassroots, going through all the different levels, that that could be a place where you could really make a difference. Also for like uh, young girls uh, starting off with football now who all look up to you and will get to some audience questions as well. Um, don't you think that could be a, 
an honourable career to go into because you know you're making a change? Yeah, I think um, often when you talk about professional football and a kind of like elite level football, you forget about the grassroots, you forget about where everyone starts. But if you don't have a clear structure there and you don't have um, the means to, first of all, get girls to play football and also to give them the right football education, I guess, like coaching um, and to keep them motivated in the critical years, then you won't have players that will come up to elite level, up to professional level football. So that's something I think overall as players within the game, we should want to influence and want to impact. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so passionate about, I guess, making changes. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm looking to kind of, as the saying goes, leave the shirt in a better place. And for me, that's not only on the pitch, that's for, for me, that's off the pitch within football, but also within society. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my ultimate goal, to leave the shirt in a better place. And I'm, I'm kind of using football as my tool to do that. We're trying to talk about you personally here, and it's really difficult to, yeah. on every personal level, get away from football, um, which is quite interesting to see, to see how you are passionate in every part of your life about football. And it's all getting a... Um, forgetting football through playing the guitar or, or gardening but at the same time you're always thinking about football on every different level of of your life also probably going to bed at the right time to being able to perform the next day so something I wanted to talk about with you as well because it's always something on a personal level and I think it's a bit of a um, a trend topic at the moment that everyone is looking at it and considering how they eat what role does nutrition play in your life? I'd say a big role. And why I say that is, I guess, either through uh, my degrees or through uh, my upbringing, I've all, nutrition and, and mealtimes have always played a big role in a sense of uh, socially, mealtime for us when we were growing up was where all these discussions happened, but also where we came together as a family because we all, there's six of us, we all had mad schedules and that's the time we sat down together. So I cherished meal times as our family time together. And um, from that it stemmed, or it developed into looking more into kind of the nutrition side. And for me now, um, my nutrition is tailored onto how can I perform best on the pitch? Do I have days where I completely forget about what I have to eat to perform? 100%, because I think that's part of life. It's keeping that balance. Um, but I know what I want to eat, and I'll give you examples in a sec, because you always tell me you're a big fan of examples. But I know exactly what I need to eat before I go on the pitch, if that's training or, or game. And I know what I need to eat after the game training on the day off. So... Everything what I eat throughout a week is kind of tailored to what I'm going to do on the pitch. So say on a day off, I don't need the fuel for a session. So we've worked closely with our nutritionist at club. Um, that shows a, a massive development in women's football because we've never had nutritionists in the past. Um, or at least not to that level, I guess. But say on a day off now, I'm reducing my my carb intake because I don't need the feel on the pitch however leading into a game this carb loading is maximized um, the days leading into the game and the day off to make sure I've got enough fuel for the game so that's one aspect of it um, I guess for injuries um, whenever I am injured 
I tailor my nutrition to the injury. Say I've torn a ligament or a muscle. Vitamin C is crucial for ligament healing. Muscle, you need loads of protein. So now I'm looking how I can get vitamin C and how I can up my protein intake. So everything I do in my life is tailored to either how to get back on the pitch or how to perform on the pitch. That's a, that's a really interesting point. And just to talk about the protein really quickly, because one of the topics at the moment which you can read and hear about a lot is uh, veganism, uh, vegetarians uh, and eating meat. Where do you get that protein from? Personally, I'm not a big meat eater. And TJ, our nutritionist, knows that. So when I got my um, injury, I guess, nutrition plan, he tailored my plan to non-meat recipes, I guess. Um I get my protein from dairy, from fish, from um, beans, <laughs> lentils. <laughs> Do you sound really geeky? Um, you sound really vegan. <laughs> yeah, I sound like you now. So, guys, just to let you know, Ollie's been through it all. He's been a vegetarian. We all were actually we all were vegetarian for like a long spell when we grew up. And the story Eight behind years. this is yeah, the story behind this is wasn't there a disease with the cows? Like, years and years and years ago. Yeah, the mad cow disease. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, my sister, or our sister, Sam, she, I guess, heard about this disease on the news. No, she saw something, uh, just to correct you here, she saw something on TV yeah. about the mad cow disease, and she um, went into tears and said, oh, I'm not eating meat ever again. And then and we, as a family, decided then we all won't eat meat. Yeah, but that is kind of symbolic for the family. One person has a mad idea and we all just go with it. <laughs> we never even question it. Um, the only thing mum said, I think, I remember, is she goes, well, if I'm not allowed to cook meat, meat at home, you better not get a bratwurst when you're at the football games. <laughs> <laughs> so for eight yeah. years, we were all vegetarian because Sam saw something on the telly. Um, but yeah, you've been a vegan for some time. Um, n now, um, I think you shared with me that... Um, with the birth of your daughter, you didn't want her to become a picky eater, so you reintroduce meat now, um, unless you're by yourself and you kind of stick to the veganism. Yeah, it, exactly. What I try to do is where you challenge yourself with different courses or whatever, I try to challenge myself on different levels in life. And um, like nutrition has been one of the challenges over the past couple of years. And I don't do it out of a ideology, for example. So in 2020, I went vegan and I was vegan for two years then. Um, and it wasn't out of any ideology, but I was reading about it and I read some things about how it helps your body and that it's actually not good for your body to eat um, some sort of meat, um, which is which um, promotes cancer and so on. Um, so I said, okay, why don't I just try it? And at that point in life, I, I was on my own. Uh, I'd come back to Germany, so I started being vegan. And um, yeah, it probably did help my body a little bit. I didn't make a big change. I didn't see a big change in my body because I always sleep quite well and uh, drink a lot of water. And that normally helps me um, be fresh for the day. But what I did notice with vegan, and that's why I stopped it, is that people around me had more stress in life when I was visiting them and that was just out of the case so you go over and you have lunch together and they didn't know what to give me for lunch and they were thinking okay ollie what can we make for you and we'll make this for us and i was like no no just do your food and i'll eat whatever i can and i was never um 
I would never sit there and say, oh, I'm not going to eat that because there was meat. So I just ate it then. Although I was vegan, I, I ate it just because I didn't want to put stress on anyone else. And I'm, because I'm a big believer that I can make a decision for myself, but no one else should have to suffer from it. Um, and this is what I see a lot in the media today. And that's why I went away from, away from being vegan. And now I'm more vegetarian and I hardly have any dairy. I don't drink any milk. It's all plant-based milk. Uh, I have some cheese sometimes. But... Um, I was I was tending more to be a vegetarian, and then as you said, um, uh, my daughter was born, and I decided, hey, I can't take the decision away from her and not give her any meat because maybe she does want to eat meat, and I think that's totally fine because that's her decision. So what I've decided now is, whenever I'm with her and whenever uh, my soon-to-be wife. Uh, cooks for us or when I cook and we make meat we all eat it but when I'm out I normally tend to order something vegetarian because I think that's probably better for me and my body um, but I eat meat as well just so my daughter can make that decision as well I think it's just very important so I can make challenges for myself but no one else should have a challenge in life because of decisions I've made yeah that's funny that you went all into detail because I was going to ask you why did you actually go vegan but Thanks for giving us that insight. But your daughter's not even at an age yet where she can decide. So why did you not wait for another couple of years until, like, right now she eats what you put in front of her? Um, yeah, that's totally right. But at the end of the day, I, I started to read about it a lot. And um, I read a couple of times that vegan is not really good for babies because a lot of the minerals and a lot of the micronutrients she needs, she can't. So I'm I'm not an expert in this and I'm not 100% sure but I was just I just felt more safe in giving her a, a nutrition which had everything included we tried just to to provide her with the nutrition or to provide her with food which has all the micronutrient whatever in it um so we don't give her any processed food or we try not to give her any processed food sometimes when you're outside obviously there's someone who's got a biscuit or something and then she's allowed to have it as well we're not like that but we don't give her any sugar and this is the thing i'm doing at the moment to be perfectly honest i don't have any sugar so i hardly have any um sweet drinks it's mostly water sometimes i'll have some tea or something um and that and because i don't drink coffee that's about it um but i can really feel a difference in this with the sugar because you don't have any sugar highs and i don't get tired during the day at all anymore so that's a challenge i'm doing at the moment um but in that hindsight um i didn't want to get take anything away from being able to help her grow and develop in a way she should and at the end of the day whenever she makes a decision we'll support her in that no i really i think value that and the fact that you even went into depth to read all about it like some people just do you know what the issue is i think is media and They've put out so many films where, and this is also like how I kind of educated myself in veganism. There's so many films, and I watched them. I was like, actually, yeah. But then I found out that the producers worked for a vegan company and were trying to mm. promote their products. And I think that's where we have to be very, very careful what we believe in the media. Yeah, we're going into a different direction now and talking a lot about nutrition. But I always say, and you know, this is whenever we go into discussions. Be careful, read about it and think about what's actually happening and just don't believe everything as soon as you see it. And at the end of the day, the belief I created through challenging myself on all these different levels on the nutrition side is um, eat good meat when you do eat meat. 
look where it comes from. Don't take the really cheap one. And probably people say, yeah, but I can't feed my family with if it's if I have to buy the expensive meat. Well, then eat a little bit less meat, but eat the good meat instead of eating all the crap which you get for one pound fifty or something in in the next convenience store. Um, and then uh, just look after your body and listen to your body what's good or what's not good, and try to not have these really really dirty meals because that's where most of the crap is in but i'm going to ask a question for you now because you've been really honest about what you eat and you say ah on the days where i don't have football i i tend to not really look at it what is your dirty meal for a day off then see well i'll correct you real quick um it's not the days off where i eat dirty or where i have my my cheat meals or whatever it's whenever i fancy them the fortunate thing is i don't fancy them a lot because for me sometimes the days off yeah the days off are absolutely crucial to recover to get ready for the next session um often these meals come and nutritionally it's not the best i'm gonna put it out there but it's after a game (laughs) after a game oops uh, yep (laughs) sorry tj (laughs) after a game um we always have obviously have our protein shakes and whatnot that the club provide. But when I go back home, especially if I have people over, um, like friends that have come to a game or something, I'll get either pizza. But I'm gonna tell you, I hate. Oh, I'm not gonna say it because I'm gonna drop a brand in. But like, I cannot have takeaway pizzas. That's like in England. I don't know if it's actually still the same in Germany because I can't remember when I ordered pizza in Germany. But they're so greasy. There's some Just, good ones here in Germany. Oh, well, anyways, we get like pizzas from like an Italian. Um, or, but, sorry, go ahead. But that's probably the best time to have it because your body has a full week to recover from that. And, and I've read that actually pizza is the best like uh, processed meal, the best cheat meal. Um, nutritionally so I feel like I justify it <laughs> that way <laughs> good on you then good on you so yeah yeah you I go. read about the pizza and it said it's not that bad so I'm okay with it <laughs> <laughs> so to end this episode you sent out some questions to our audience um, and they came back for with some questions for you which I like to go through quite quickly I won't people will know who asked the questions so I won't do any shout outs to them but um I'll just go through some of them. Maybe you can give us a quick answer. Yeah. But let's stay on the nutrition side because what's your favourite drink? Non-alcoholic. I was just going to say, that's very vague. I need a little yeah. narrow down here. Um, we, don't want, we don't want TJ to be too upset today. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay with non-alcoholic. I'm going to message him later and say he's getting a shout out in this episode. Um, do you know the funny thing is, and I'm just going to drop it in because you said quick answer, but I can't give a quick answer here. So, you know, when you, I stayed with you in summer and you started your whole no sugar thing, I've done it for 60 days and it ends tomorrow, actually. So everyone, like all my uh, teammates, I if we go out for food or something, they are absolutely howling because the only thing I order is sparkling water because I feel proper like I'm cheating myself if I have sparkling water <laughs> instead of just like the table water. Um, once I can... I mean, once I can, I can do what I want. But once I can introduce, reintroduce sugar again, um, it will probably be something like a sparkling elderflower drink. I'm not a big fan of soft drinks. Like, I'm not a big fan of Coke and stuff. Um, That's probably the most boring cheat drink I've heard. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody asked me about a cheat drink. <laughs> Everyone just asked, or the person just asked Your about favorite my favourite drink. drink. Yeah, but you didn't even say, like, what kind of drink. Hot drink, cold drink. That's a very difficult question to answer. Sorry, next. No, it's not. What do you drink? What's your most favourite drink? 
Well, sorry, at the moment, I can only drink sparkling water. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the best female player you have ever come up against as a defender? Um, well, as a defender, often I come up against strikers. So for me, the best striker, and this is probably quite controversial, for me that I've played against is Beth England. Um, is she one of the world's best players? No, but I find her very difficult to defend. She's just very good at running off the shoulder. And that is something that is so difficult to manage as a defender, I think. Don't give her any insights on how you try to... Oh, I could probably say it. it because she won't listen to this. Um, and I'll still do it, <laughs> even if she knows. <laughs> um, did you pick your kit number or was it chosen for you? And if you picked it, is there a meaning? Um, there's no meaning. I'm not superstitious or anything like that. Do you know what? People always ask me about like superstition and like game day routines. And they're always shocked if I say I have none. <laughs> I just like to be prepared. But you, but you do think about you do think about the match when you go into it. Yeah, I like to be prepared. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's more a routine, but like um, kind of having the same game day routine, but I'm definitely not superstitious. So if you change my shinnies, I'll actually be upset if you do that because there's some uh, shinnies that Sam gave me when I left home. So I would be upset about that. This is actually how long they've lasted, about 10 years, and that's how minging they Oops. are. But back to the actual question because I'm, I'm drifting again. Um, there's no meaning. Um Putting that out there, I've changed my number from 15 to 5, but only because my number at Scotland changed from 15 to 5. So I asked for that to be changed at club, and it worked. And was there, number, was there a reason for number 15? Because I remember you starting off with 26, wasn't it? Yeah, when I signed my first professional contract at Hoffenheim, I had 26, and I kept that number throughout un until Reading. So I had it at Hoffenheim, in the US, back at Hoffenheim, uh, and then at Reading. And I just needed a fresh start. Mo from moving away from Reading or from leaving Reading and moving to Leicester, I wanted to start fresh, as listeners now know. And um, for me, that was changing number as well. So when someone proposed a 15, I was like, yeah, do you know what? I actually don't care what number it is. Just please not 26. <laughs> I think that was an easy one to fulfil. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't have a meaning, but now it's number five. And it's quite nice. Great. When did you realise that football would be your future? Uh, and never really in a sense of I started playing because I enjoyed playing football and I committed because I loved the game um, at that point when I was growing up um, there was no such thing as a career within women's football and I just went for it wholeheartedly not having any clue where it would take me and I think that's why I've enjoyed this ride so much because I just gave it my all and never had the pressure of making it or not making it because at that point, I didn't even know what making it or not making it meant. Um, I, I think that's something um, especially the young listeners should listen to because there tends to be a lot of pressure also from parents' side um, to, to make it. But I think you need to love the sport for what it is. And I watched this one interview, or I saw two interviews actually, and one was a Delhi Alley one where he said, yeah. I just love playing football yeah. and it got me off the streets. 
And that's why he got so good, because he loved it. And then you had the other side of Frank Lampert. He was in an interview, I think it was his CEO podcast, where he said, I have to say thanks to my father who pushed me so far to get where I was. But he still had to love it. And he saw the same with Beckham, where his father pushed him quite a lot. But he was on the pitch doing his free kicks, free kicks, free kicks over and over again. Um, but at the end of the day, kids, you should love it. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. And you'll get there. Um, just and really I think enjoy playing football. Yeah, and I think, it's, as you said, for the kids to love it, I always say the moment I stop enjoying what I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to change career. Um, but it's also for the parents, just just let let the kids enjoy it. But what I've often And support seen is, them, support yeah, them whenever you can. 100%. But don't put too much pressure on. I think mum and dad supported all of us and without mum and dad, I couldn't, I couldn't have, I guess I now say, made it. Um, because the amount of miles they drove to drive me to all the games, all the camps, or everything, mm. I couldn't have done and it without the support. you see you when you were at Hoffman. Oh, 100%. Or even coming over here, I mean, no, that's actually, no, yeah, dad's come to a game here. He watches them all at, yeah. uh, in Spain, I said at home, but he watches it all in Spain, but um, he's come to one game over here. Um, but like, even my grandparents came to a game in Scotland, and this is dad's parents, so the English ones, came up to Scotland um so like my whole fam- family is supporting me um but I couldn't have done it also if I I wasn't loving what I was doing because you make a lot of sacrifices but for me mm. they're almost not sacrifices because I made the decision um to go for it wholeheartedly and that means at times you miss out on family events you set priorities and your priority was football and probably still is yeah uh last two questions yeah who was your idol growing up um, I didn't have female, unfortunately, I didn't have female idols growing up uh, because the game wasn't where it is now. So for me, it was David Beckham. And I got hated by my family a bit. I'm just putting it out there because they're all Liverpool fans. And at that point, David Beckham <laughs> played for United. Um, so, yes, I had a bad childhood. Everyone hated me. Um, and <laughs> I remember all those big David Beckham posters on your walls. And I had I one. going into your room. I had one. And I got scrutinised for that. There was more than one. I, I remember one with his shirt off and one with a Man United <laughs> shirt. How many times did you go in my bedroom? <laughs> Twice. And it changed. And you never came back in. <laughs> so who knows how many they were. Okay, and the final question, which is the most important one, which was asked by our brother. Who's your cooler brother? <laughs> oh, God. Don't say anything wrong here. Um... I'm glad you never asked who's my favourite brother because I could definitely not answer that because, of course, you're both my favourites. Um, I mean, come on, you have to agree. He's got a little bit of swag. <laughs> He's a little bit out there, Edis. Um I admire both of you equally but differently um, for what you've achieved in life. But Ed's got more swag, unfortunately, Ollie. Yeah, I remember you saying I've I've come to the boring life now being... Yeah. Father, having a child, going to the job. Your life just has more routine, morning. so there's not a lot of space <laughs> for coolness. You're the cool yeah, dad. Okay. You, you're the cool Thank dad, and Ed's a cool brother. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, dad won't like to hear that. Anyway, I'll go back to my boring life. Thank you very much, yeah. Sophie, for having me here. Uh, let's uh, thank you very much for all the insights to your personal life, and hope to see you next time. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, Ronnie, for having this discussion with me. And guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.